Welcome to the Calgary Zone Integrated Quality Management podcast series. The global team of integrated quality management in the Calgary Zone that brings together four teams that support improvement in zone-based health services. Patient and family-centered care supports the development and implementation of patient and family-centered care approaches within the Calgary Zone. In today's episode, we have Christy Levis, consultant with Calgary Zone Patient and Family Centered Care, with guests Maya Payavich and Marisa Vinya, patient and family advisors with Alberta Health Services. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Calgary Zone Integrated Quality Management Podcast. I'm Christy Levitt, and I work as a consultant with the Calgary Zone Patient and Family Centered Care Team. I'm honored to be joined today by two wonderful individuals, Maya Payevich and Marie Savinia, who serve as patient and family advisors in Alberta Health Services. Maya and Marisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we met a few months ago on the planning group for the February Patient and Family Centered Care Grand Rounds, which for listeners who aren't familiar with PFCC Grand Rounds, these events are educational events for AHS staff, physicians, and volunteers about different aspects related to patient and family centered care. And you two had graciously agreed to be two of the presenters at the February event. And as we had worked together and as I had watched you present, I was so impressed and encouraged by your dedication to helping improve healthcare for Albertans and also for your openness and honesty about patient engagement. So we're gonna dive into some questions today about meaningful patient engagement but before we do that, I'd love if you could maybe briefly introduce, introduce yourselves so listeners can get to know you a little bit. Sure, I'm Maya. I'm a second year university student at Mount Royal University. I have been a patient advisor for roughly six years and now I'm a free agent in the patient advisory role. Hi everyone, I'm Marisa and I am a patient advisor as well. And I have about 15 years of experience advocating at both a local level in the Calgary zone as well as provincially with provincial groups and currently spend my time studying medicine or spending time outside. Well, we're so grateful to have you two here today. Thanks for being here. Now, you two have branded yourselves the troublemakers. Could you share how this title came to be? Sure. Um, So Marissa and I both met at the Child and Youth Advisory Council at the Children's Hospital. And through that, we've both been on the Provincial Family Advisory Group, co-chair on that group. And she realized that we were kind of always looking like we were in trouble, always kind of sitting in one of our special corners and always kind of laughing, kind of chuckling here and there. And then she randomly called us to troublemakers one day and it stuck. Although now she refers us as TMs, so everyone knows us as a TMs. That's awesome. Well, it's good to, to stir up some good trouble. And I know that you two have done a lot of that throughout the Calgary zone and all over the province, really. Well, I think like being a troublemaker is about having like, you know, being a dreamer, but also being a doer. Because we can talk all, all about improvements, but at the end of the day, it's about how, how do we get from dreaming about it to actually getting achieving that. I think being a troublemaker is the mindset that gets us from here to there. Well said. Which I'm style. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and when it comes to... This whole idea of patient engagement, this is a term that's talked about a lot in healthcare these days, but what is patient engagement to you two and why is it so valuable and necessary in healthcare? So to me, uh, patient engagement 
I think is absolutely necessary and valuable because at its core, it's engaging the people with lived experience. Those that have experienced healthcare system in various ways, whether as a patient, a family member, a support worker, and have various connections to the system. And I think whether it's a long-term relationship with the system or more of a short-term relationship, all of those voices need to be shared and have equal value in improving the system. Definitely. And I think sometimes as staff or healthcare providers within the healthcare system, we might think that we know what's important to patients or families, because technically we're all patients and family members in some capacity, but I think we typically, whether we realize it or not, tend to have that, that healthcare provider hat on. Mm -hmm. And we're really looking at things through that staff lens rather than seeing something, how patients and families actually see it or are experiencing it. I also think like patient engagement is very like it's overlooked, like it's a buzzword and people think that they engage with patients so well, but at the end of the day, it's like, that's very tokenistic, very hands down and very, it's like a one-off instead of just a relationship with that patient advisor. And I think in healthcare, I think in healthcare, we kind of miss the boat on that a lot. And I think that's a problem in an area where we can like really drive change and not just on a local level, but like systemically. And I think, as you said, Christy, sometimes when you work in the system, it's hard to always be very open and expressive of, of your feelings. Whereas a patient advisor or any person that's using the system or has some relationship to it that doesn't work for them, doesn't need to have a filter. And it, it's something that they can share openly without worry or concern about getting fired or having a bad rap in the system. And I think creating that open and space where people can be vulnerable to share the, the truth and the, and the true feelings that they have is also important for patient engagement rather than, as Maya said, just a buzzword to say, oh, we've done this as a checklist, but really making it meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And Maya, you use the word tokenistic. Like why or how would you describe tokenistic engagement? Like, could you give some examples of what that looks like so people can know what not to do when it comes to engaging with patients and families? Yeah, sure. Uh, so when you when a patient tells a story, you just engage with that story at that moment and then you just leave it as is. And then you think like all the ways that you can improve the system through the lens of that story, like whether it's like on the local level, on your uh, unit, on your clinic, whatnot. And then you kind of, you're thinking about ways to kind of change that approach based on that story, but then you just leave it. That's tokenistic because that's time wasted for me personally like what are you going to do with that story I used to tell my story a lot to consults and uh, conferences but now I don't because I just feel like it's a waste of my time and energy and I'm vulnerable but healthcare providers aren't willing to kind of take that step and make a change that's kind of like where I see tokenistic and also like sitting on consults because it's like a nice looking thing to do versus actually making a meaningful engagement mm -hmm. and listening to patients yeah, if it's like a, a box ticking activity where, okay, check, yeah. we've got an advisor at the table, but it's nothing more than that. And I think like for newer advisors, like they're like, oh my God, like this is so cool. Like I'm actually being invited to these things. But once you've been in the system for like for a while, you kind of realize like this is a pattern. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm being engaged or so I'm just like there to like fill a spot. And I think healthcare providers and like healthcare overall kind of misses the boat on that. 
So where, where do you see the current state of patient engagement being, whether here in Alberta or more broadly speaking? I think, to be honest, one of the words is I'm, I'm hopeful that there'll be change, but right now I think that we're quite stagnant. And I think we're recycling the same voices. And this is something Maya and I have felt strongly about in the past, and we've voiced our opinions many times over and over. And I, I feel like oftentimes we, we go to what's the most convenient, who can we access the easiest? And often that's the same group of people who don't necessarily reflect the voices of the entire population of Alberta. But just because of the time that they have, the luxury of time and their flexibility that others may not have, those are the voices that are often heard the strongest. And I think this is kind of where we're at this point where we need to really be more open and more flexible to allowing for different voices and different, you know, whether that be age, race, sex, orientation, whatever it might be, being more open and willing to have those voices at the table than just doing what's easy. So I'm curious, where would you two like to see patient engagement go? Like what would be your dream when it comes to patient engagement in healthcare? I think it's about realizing that, you know, people have lives, uh, people need, I think healthcare needs to be more mobile and agile when it comes to engaging advisors. Like for myself, like I, I, I had school, I have, you know, hobbies, I have a life and it's kind of hard for me to make time to volunteer, which I absolutely love, but it's becoming harder and harder because it's within that, you know, eight to five range. Whereas like, you know, the people that we always engage with, you know, they have that time. They're often retired. They have, they're sitting on multiple committees. So their voices are always heard. Whereas, you know, the voices of the youth, the mothers, the fathers, those that work, their voices are often neglected or they're just assumed. Like this is what they think instead of asking. I also think like, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about patient engagement. We talk, we love talking about patient engagement. We value patient advisors. We do this, but it's actually showing up for it. Like actually talking the walk on it, like show us that you care about advisors, show us that you actually care about meaningful, like meaningful engagement, do the hard work to show us this. Like we're willing to put our, like be vulnerable, share stories, share our thoughts, but you know where's the other end of that so I think it's like a two-way street like let's like let's dance like I'm willing to dance are you willing to dance I absolutely agree with what Maya's just said and I think patient engagement always seems like a formalized kind of role with patient and family advisors and I think it doesn't necessarily have to be always a formal role and I think for some people that works and that fits into their lifestyle and they want to make that commitment and that dedication to a more formalized role where they can be called upon at any time or sit on a committee. But I think it's also just getting those kind of one-off informal patient experiences right at the heart of the interaction. So if they're, you know, if it's a patient that's with their doctor, that's having a wonderful experience, somehow being able to capture that, or maybe it's a horrible experience and we need to capture that as well. And those voices are also important, but maybe not someone that's willing to invest the time into a more formalized role as a patient and family advisor. But I think that's still patient engagement. And so as Maya said, being mobile, being right there at the point of care is an important moment. And I think, again, there's benefit for in the moment versus taking some time to reflect on that experience. And so I think capturing both can give a very more broad insight into what's actually happening and what is, what's working in the system and what, what do we need to improve on? 
I feel like on top of that, like, I feel like patient engagement is all about, like, you know, the good stuff versus, you know, the not so good stuff. I think we need to bring both of those experiences together in order to make a healthcare system that reflects all of us. Because I feel, I feel like we don't learn as much from our successes versus our failures as a system. Um, I think that's a gap that needs to close very soon. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we kind of said as well, is, is just making it accessible for more. So it's more equitable for those people, you know, whether they can't travel or they don't have access to internet, being able to do these things maybe after COVID, um, that is just more easily accessible in person and having that in the moment where they're able to chat right then and there. How do you think we can like bring in those underrepresented voices? Like you mentioned, perhaps Marisa, for folks who maybe don't have internet access, like something in person would be necessary. Are there additional things that you think healthcare providers and, and leaders within the healthcare system could be doing to ensure that those voices that are currently not represented at all, or maybe underrepresented, how those could be heard? Sure. So I think one of the other aspects that's important in patient engagement is often it's a subset of people that work in, in the patient engagement roles. But I think there needs to be education for all frontline providers. So whether that be the nurses, the doctors, allied health professionals who have some training in engaging with patients who I think most of them, if they're working in the front lines are fairly good at building relationships. And I think those are often the people that underprivileged or vulnerable populations would be the first to reach out to and feel most comfortable with. And so using them kind of as that frontline first kind of attempt to build those connections with, and then kind of transition them into something maybe a little bit more long-term or even just capturing it right in that moment. So not always having to be somebody involved in patient engagement directly, but using those frontline people that have those connections already established as that kind of more, I guess, channel of opportunity. I also think like it, it's not as like, it's, it can be as easy as like asking one of them while you're waiting in line at Good Earth, like what's, how's your, how's your day going? I feel like once you kind of start that going, that conversation going, it's very easy to like say, hey, it's not that great because of this, this, this. I think you can gain a lot from like those short interactions. Definitely, because it, it's nice to know what we're doing well so that we can continue with what's working, but we also need to find out what's not working so that then we can fix problems where problems exist. Because and I, feel like, I feel like on top of that, it's like we have to bring those failures to the forefront and not just like shove them down and kind of neglect those. Because I feel if we don't learn from our failures, like where are we going to learn them from? from our successes, which, you know, it's not the best way to gain um, insight. Anything else that either of you would like to share when it comes to how your dream picture of patient engagement could become reality? I think we just need to be more open and, and not stuck on certain ideas. And if things don't work, we need to be able to change them and, and not be so fixated on why isn't this working, but let's just be open to other opportunities and ideas and um, yeah, and just be open to always listening because mm -hmm. sometimes out of a simple conversation, you don't expect something amazing to come out of it, but something does and it can spark a whole new avenue, a whole new opportunity. So just being open. 
I feel like it's about pivoting, right? Like like a basketball player, you pivot. So I feel like in healthcare, you need to like pivot. If you don't like an idea, you pivot to the next one. But I feel like we're so attached to ideas that we just kind of are very narrow-minded about how healthcare should be. And I think we need to learn to let go. We need to accept failure. We don't have to love our, de- our ideas. So we learn in design school. We don't have to, we have, don't fall in love with our designs because then we become attached. There's the design and the designer. So I think we have to like separate those two, but still have passion for the work that we do. I love that basketball analogy. Like as you were describing that, I could literally (laughs) picture a basketball player having to pivot. Thank you. (laughs) And I think just to reiterate what Maya just said, I think at the end of the day, if we're in the role, because we have passion for something that we're doing, I think that'll always make it better. And I think the outcomes will always be much more appropriate and helpful. Well, COVID has certainly been something that has, you could say, provided the opportunity for new ways of doing things. So from your experience, how can meaningful patient engagement still happen during COVID? I would even say like, this is meaningful patient engagement, right? Like over Zoom, like we're seeing each other. Well, now not over the podcast, but like we're seeing each other, we're laughing, we're having like those, you know, human interactions. And I think Zoom is a great platform to gain people that would have not otherwise been able to, uh, you know, provide their input. And I think that's, you know, enables people to be accessible and to raise their voices in ways that, non-COVID would have been able to. And I feel like in healthcare, especially like we've kind of, we've always kind of been behind the privacy walls. And I think COVID has kind of ushered that new way of like, you have to connect with people in different ways and Zoom and Skype and whatnot has been like, hey, we're here. We're not, we're here to help not cause more damage. So I mean, I think even having like, for example, virtual webinars where in the past they were always in person. I think, again, it made it more accessible to more people, a larger audience reaching across the province, for example, versus just in the Calgary zone or Edmonton zone before. And so, and doing it at times that people can do over a lunch hour. So you don't have to travel anywhere. You can just do it, eat your lunch in the comfort of your office or now home office and, and listen and learn and ask questions and engage and meet people that you would never probably met because they live in a completely different part of the province. So yeah, a couple of good things that came out of COVID, I guess. Definitely. It certainly has brought about a lot of challenges, but there definitely have been some silver linings. And I think it's made people more creative or having to learn to think outside the box. And I hope that that's something that continues on to the future as well. Yeah. What is that quote? Oh, I can't remember it exactly, but necessity is the the father of innovation or something. I'm completely butchering this quote, but something about how challenges force you to be innovative. And, um, Oh, here it is. Necessity as a mother invention. Is that the one? Yes, that's it. Thank you. As we close today, what final words of advice would you like to share with our listeners? Or if there's any resources that you'd like to recommend our listeners check out when it comes to this topic of patient engagement? Yeah, words of wisdom. Uh, just try, don't think, just do it and see what happens. Uh, failure is part of success. And how hard can it be? I mean, both Merce and I have been through uh, the healthcare system as patients and it's been rough. And I think 
if we can succeed, then, you know, patient engagement can succeed. We just got to push and reflect and try again. Absolutely. And I think my final kind of words of wisdom would be just keep your mind open and never close a door on an opportunity. Wise words. Wise and words. resources. Uh, Bird's Eye View by Sue uh, Robbins. Uh, Why We Revolt by Victor Montanari. Compassionomics by Stephen Trisic and Anthony Maserati. And In Shock by Rana Adwash. And The Patient Revolution by David Gilbert are great resources to kind of spark your curiosity in the world of patient engagement. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. Well, you two have shared some wise words today, and it's been a real pleasure chatting with you two, as always. Where can people find you if they would like to connect with you online? Yeah, so I'm a big uh, Twitter person. So at my private is where you can find me and since tms come as a as a pair yeah connect with maya <laughs> and you will inevitably get both of us <laughs> yeah you two make a really good team i have to pay her but you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i just a, as an aside i think the relationship that you two have is also a great example of how collaboration and mentorship even that can occur within the advisor community. I know in the past, Maya, you've shared how Marisa was kind of like a, an informal mentor to you in your early advisory days. So yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah. And that's why poor Maya is the way she is today. Uh, well, it, I've loved chatting with you guys. Um, and I just really appreciate you two having served as advisors for years and continuing to do so. And thanks for being willing to give of your time and your perspective and expertise in this conversation today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you so much for having us today. An absolute pleasure. pleasure. Well, everyone, thanks so much for taking the time to be part of this conversation today. If you have questions or comments about anything you heard today, we would love to hear from you. You can email my team, the Calgary Zone Patient and Family Centered Care Team at pfcc.calzone at ahs.ca. That's pfcc.calzone at ahs.ca. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.